Hi guys, this is your host Ola and welcome to the All Things Money podcast where I'm here to discuss all things money from budgeting, saving, investing and everything else in between. So last month we stepped into a brand new tax year. However, if you weren't aware of this, then the financial tax year in the UK runs from April the 5th to April the 6th the following year. With a brand new tax year comes a brand new set of tax allowances, which is why I'm joined with Laura Suter from AJ Bell to talk about the different types of ISAs that exist within the UK. Hi, Laura. How are you doing today? I'm good, thanks. Thanks a lot for having me. You're welcome. Please feel free to introduce yourself to everyone listening. So I am Laura Suter, Head of Personal Finance at AJ Bell, which means I just spend a lot of time talking about savings, investment, <laughs> banking, and all of that good stuff. Oh, amazing. And funnily enough, guys, if you didn't know, I have my lifetime ISA with AJ Bell. So it's great to have you on, Laura, on the team. <laughs> Brilliant. So let's get started with the very basics then. So for those who don't already know, what actually is an ISA? Yeah, so it can sound a bit complicated. So it stands for individual savings account, but effectively what it is, is a savings account that's got tax benefits to it. So it means that any interest or gains that you make on your money, you don't have to pay tax on. And any money that you take out of it or any income you take from it, you don't have to pay any tax on any income tax on. And you can have a cash version and an investment version. And there's lots of different types that I'm sure we'll cover. Yeah, no, definitely. Thank you for that very brief introduction because I feel like a lot of people really overcomplicate the whole term of an ISA. They're like, oh, ISA must be really different to like a savings account, which I guess in some ways it is, but not massively different, which is why I'm glad you're here today to kind of, you know, break all down this like taboo, I guess, about ISAs and like how it actually really works. So I think the main question really is for a lot of people is why should people even consider using an ISA? Like, yes, it stands for individual savings accounts, but why should people consider using one? Effectively, it means if you're not going to get taxed on the interest or the gains that you're making on that money, you get to keep more of that money for yourself, which everyone can get behind, I'm pretty sure. So (laughs) um, for investments, it's a bit of a no brainer because with investments over longer periods of time, you are hopefully going to make some decent gains on your money. And it means that all of that money you can keep, you don't have to pay capital gains tax on and it also means that if you invest in things that pay you out an income so like dividends and things like that um, you don't have to pay any tax on that income so for investments it's a it's a really good idea for lots of people Um, for cash accounts it's a little bit trickier so there's Mm -hmm. another tax break called the personal savings allowance um, which covers a lot of interest and protects that interest from saving from tax sorry so it means for a basic rate taxpayer you can earn a thousand pounds each year in interest on your cash savings before you have to pay tax on it and for higher rate taxpayers that gets reduced to 500 pounds okay so it means that lots of people might be protected by that tax break and therefore using an ISA for their cash savings isn't quite such a compelling case particularly when we think about the fact that cash ISAs quite often have a lower interest rate on offer to them rather than a non-ISA savings account. So that's just something people need to bear in mind. If I I like crunch some numbers and basically if you put money in the top easy access savings account at the moment, you'd need to have more than £70,000 in cash to um, earn more interest than that £1,000 savings that a basic rate taxpayer would get. So 
for most people that are basic rate taxpayers, they're going to be covered by that savings break. But if you've got lots of money in cash or if you're moving into the next tax bracket, so either moving into that higher rate tax bracket or if you're lucky enough to be moving into the additional rate tax brackets in the highest income tax band, they don't get any of that tax break. So okay, those people might want to think about it. Amazing. Thank you for that. So obviously you talked about investing and savings, which obviously we have ISAs for. So if you wouldn't mind, please, would you be able to explain the different types of ISAs that exist within the UK? Yeah, of course. So there's six different types, which makes it slightly complicated. (laughs) So there's a cash one that I've just talked about. There's stocks and shares or also known as an investment ISA. Those are quite straightforward. Then there's a lifetime ISA. There's something called a help to buy ISA, which is closed now um, but some people might still have those accounts because you can if you had them previously you can keep them open Um, there's a junior ISA which is aimed at children and then there's an innovative finance ISA which is a bit more niche and probably not so applicable to most people and through that you can invest in things like peer-to-peer lending and crowdfunding so a bit more alternative Amazing. So you guys heard that here first. Well, maybe hopefully not here first, but you've heard that that we have six different ISAs in the UK. So Laura, would you be able to kindly break down the different six ISAs that we have? Yeah. So if I start with the simplest ones first, so cash ISAs and stocks and shares ISAs. So the only difference between them is whether the money is in cash or whether it's in investments. Yes. They're really accessible. You can take the money out whenever you want. They both have a limit of £20,000 each tax year that you can put into them. And you can split that money between cash and stocks and shares. And the only thing to point out with all of these ISAs is you can't have a joint account with them. So they're all just in your own name. Okay. And if you're in a couple, you just each need to have them in your own name okay so that's like the easiest ones then there's a junior ISA which is aimed at children so this account is for those under the age of 18 and parents and grandparents and other people can pay into it and you can pay in up to nine thousand pounds a year which is quite a lot per child (laughs) and the money is locked up until they turn 18 so you can't withdraw that money until they reach 18 and then one of the crucial parts of the junior ISA is that at age 18 it becomes theirs to control so they could decide to cash out all of the money and go on a massive weekend um, (laughs) or they could be really smart and decide to keep it invested and keep it saved so that's just something for parents to be mindful of and then if we come to the lifetime ISA so this one is really handy for lots of people but it's also quite complicated so the main reasons that you use it for are to buy a first home or Mm. if you want to save for your retirement outside of something like a pension where people normally would save for retirement um you can pay in up to £4,000 a year. And then the big appeal of it is that the government add 25% on top as a bonus. So that means if you paid in £4,000 in a year, the government would give you £1,000 for free to add to your savings pot. So it's really great for people looking to buy their first property because that can really boost your deposit savings. But as always with these things, there are some caveats. So you can only open it if you're aged 18 to 40. If you're over the age of 40 or under the age of 18, then you're not eligible. And the big caveat, I think, for some people is that if you're using it to buy your first property, you can only 
buy a property up to the value of £450,000, regardless of where you are in the UK. So for some people in some areas, that might be more than okay. For other people in pricier areas, Mm -hmm. who are maybe getting on the property ladder a bit later in life and so want to buy like a house rather than a flat, for example, then that might scupper them a little bit. And that's the that limit is still the same if you're buying with other people. So if you even if you're buying in a couple, that £450,000 limit is still the same. You don't get like double the limit because you're buying with someone else. And so with that account, you can pay into it until the age of 50 and you keep getting the government bonus until that point. And then from then until the age of 60, the money just keeps growing. And then at 60, you can you can take it out at that point if you were using it for retirement. And I think probably the other thing to notice on that is that it's not easy access like your cash and stocks and yeah. shares ISA. So if you want to withdraw the money, then you will face an exit penalty to do so, which is kind of the government trying to reclaim the government bonus that they've paid you. Mm-hmm. But it actually means that you will usually end up with less money than you initially paid it. So it's a great one if you if it fits your circumstances, but you just need to be aware of some of those like caveats. Yeah, definitely. And then, so then the help to buy ISA, I kind of touched on, that's closed now for new customers, but some people might still have it and it works a little bit like the lifetime ISA where you get a government bonus on the money and you can use it to buy your first property. And then innovative finance ISAs, yeah, you use them for peer-to-peer lending and crowdfunding. And they are just probably a bit more niche, to be honest. Wow. A lot of information there to take in, guys. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much for sharing that, Laura. But yeah, let's start with the cash ISA and the stocks and shares ISA, because I feel like they are definitely spoken about the most. But like you said, yeah, a cash ISA is great. If you are someone fortunate enough to have more than 70k in cash, because obviously we do have our personal savings allowance, so a cash ISA may not be best for you. I personally don't have a cash ISA, I just normally stick to my regular savings account. And the same with a stocks and shares ISA. So they're great if you're looking to get investing in the stock market, guys. I always say it's always good to kind of get a stocks and shares ISA because, again, you don't want to be giving your money to the tax man, especially if you're getting earning capital gains, which is great if you are. So the last thing you want to do is give it to the tax man. And then also we have the lifetime ISA, which, like I said, is with AJ Bell. And like Laura clearly kind of explained, is like it's great if you're looking to get onto the property ladder as a first-time buyer. But please be aware of the caveats of that. And me and Ben from Beehive Money have covered a podcast episode all about lifetime ISA specifically. So go check that out if you want to learn more. But yeah, they are great if you fit into the criteria, like Laura said. And then we also have the innovative finance ISAs, which Laura obviously did say it's very niche. And I don't think I know anyone that has one. Do you, Laura? <laughs> no. And actually, when you look like the government produces stats on how many people open each ISA account a year, and it's it's quite a small number of people. And I think a lot of it is like quite wealthy people yeah. who've exceeded their other ISA allowance. So they've already put 20 grand into their other ISAs and they're kind of looking for that. So, yeah. Yeah. And also, if you any of you guys have children, then the junior ISA can be brilliant especially if you're looking to save for your child up until they're 18 that can be great I know my sister had one so yeah definitely take advantage of that if you do have children but obviously a question I get all the time is you know I've got an ISA so let's say for example Laura I have my help to buy ISA can I open up a stocks and shares ISA so you know loads of people get confused about how many ISAs they can open would you be able to kind of explain how many ISAs one person can have Yeah, definitely. So the general rule is that you can have one of each type that you pay into each tax year. So you could have a cash ISA, a stocks and shares ISA, 
and a lifetime ISA and pay into all of them in the same tax year. As long as you don't exceed that overall £20,000 limit, then you're fine. You can also have multiple cash ISAs, for example, but you can only pay into one in each tax year. So you okay. could have opened one last year, paid in some money, and then you could open a new account this year. And as long as you haven't paid into that old one in the previous tax year, then you can open a new one and then start paying into that this tax year. So you just need to be um, careful of that. Yeah, thank you for breaking that down and explaining that one clearly because, yeah, that is a question I get asked about all the time. And like I said, guys, I have a regular savings account, but I also have a stocks and shares ISA, which I personally have with Vanguard. And then I also have my lifetime ISA, which is with AJ Bell. So, yeah, I have two ISAs. You guys can have four if you wanted your stocks and shares ISA, your cash ISA, your lifetime ISA. And if you wanted your junior ISA for your child, let's say, for example. So, yeah, you could definitely have more than one. But like Laura said, if just make sure you don't exceed the £20,000 cash ISA allowance for that financial year. Amazing. So, Laura, let's say now people are listening and they're all clued up about how these ISAs work. How can they go about opening up an ISA? So it's fairly simple. It's kind of like opening a bank account or a normal savings account. So you need to be a UK resident. That's the only kind of big thing you need to check. And then you just want to shop around for the best provider. So with uh, cash I said that would just be looking at what the best rate is at the moment and, and making sure that you get that top rate from you know comparison sites or yeah. um, lots of the great websites that are out there and um, for investment ones it's making sure that you're getting an investment service that offers all of the investments that you need so all of the functionality that you need yeah. but at the lowest price that you can get because you don't want to be overpaying for something um, but likewise if you only have like really simple investment needs you don't want to be paying lots more for something that offers way more than what you need yeah and the only other thing sorry with the cash I said is you want to make sure it's covered by the financial services compensation scheme uh, so most of the ones that will appear on all of the comparison websites will do but it's just a double check to me yeah no thank you for touching on that as well because again the FCSC F S-C-S. <laughs> um, they are um, a great body in the UK that kind of protects your money up to £85,000. So again, you always want to make sure you do your due diligence whenever you're looking to open up an account, whether that's a savings account or an ISA. So please keep your eye out for that. And then obviously, let's say I have opened up an ISA. Can people transfer their um, providers? So say, for example, I'm with AJ Bell at the moment for my lifetime ISA and I want to switch over to another company. Would that be possible? or how does that transferring process work? Yeah, so you can transfer ISAs. People quite commonly do it with cash ISAs and the stocks and shares ISAs. So you can do two things. You can transfer to a new provider, but you could also choose to transfer your cash ISA into a stocks and shares ISA or vice versa and go back. I think the thing to really be careful of is when you open a new ISA. So let's take cash as an example because it's an easy one. So you find a provider that's offering a better interest rate and you want to move your money to them. You can open the new account. What you need to make sure you do is transfer your old ISA, not just close the account, cash it in, and then try mm-hmm. and pay that money into your new ISA. Because it means that if you don't transfer it and if you just cash it out and pay in, it'll count towards your £20,000 annual limit for that year. Yeah. Whereas if you just transfer an in existing ISA, it won't count towards that limit. Now, obviously, for some people, if they're not saving loads of money each year, then that might be fine because that £20,000 annual limit is pretty generous. But for some people, if they've had that ISA for a long time and they've built up a lot of money in it or they're going to be paying near the limit, you just want to make sure you can do that. And 
with most providers, you'll be able to contact them. You'll be able to say, I want to transfer in um, and check that they offer that and that you can do that with them. And then they'll provide you with the right forms and information so that you can do that. Brilliant. Yeah, no, thank you for touching on that, especially when it comes to actually transferring and not closing your account. Because I know some of you guys have messaged me about transferring over your help to buy ISA cash over to a lifetime ISA. I know a few of you made the mistake of closing that account and actually not transferring it so yeah please be careful with that and also the transferring process is so easy I know it only takes like a few minutes again you go on the provider your ISA is with fill in the form and also make sure you know who you're planning to transfer to as well so again like Laura said look at those comparison websites look at any other providers that you know of I've listed so many on Instagram now so there's loads if you want to kind of have a little search or research so yeah definitely take a look at that and make sure you transfer your provider as we obviously want to make sure make the most out of your ISA limit so so the only thing also to mention is because you were talking about help to buy ISAs there is that an, an annoying wrinkle in the system is that transfers from help to buy ISAs into lifetime ISAs still count towards your £4,000 lifetime ISA annual limit, which is really annoying for people that want to move from that help to buy ISA account over to a lifetime ISA. Yeah. So it's a bit frustrating. So if you've built up more than £4,000 in that help to buy ISA, then you'd have to kind of transfer it over multiple tax years. So that one is a little bit of an anomaly to, to the other ISAs and it's not quite as easy. Yeah, thank you for sharing that one, actually, because, yeah, that's something I missed out. So, yeah, guys, like Laura said, obviously, with a helped by us, the limit is £2,400. So, again, obviously, if you've been saving in that over a number of years, and obviously, the cap is £4,000 um, lifetime ISA, just bear in mind that you may have to split that across the financial years, which is really annoying. But, again, you are able to save more in your lifetime ISA than your helped by us. So, it may be perfect for other people who I know have only put that £1 in in that helped buy before it all closed a couple of years back. So, yeah, definitely bear that in mind. But, yeah, thank you so much, Laura, for joining me on the podcast today to break down all things ISAs. And I hope many of you guys have found today's episode useful as it's really important to obviously make the most out of your ISAs if you can, as this means less money for the tax man. So, yeah, thank you so much, Laura. Thanks so much for having me on. Thank you guys for listening to this week's episode of the All Things Money podcast. For more All Things Money, make sure you follow us on social media, subscribe to the podcast and make sure you tune back in next week.